Listen. Listen. Don't be a schmuck, Louie. The grass? It's always greener on the other side, huh? But what about the cheese? You don't want your cheese to be green, do ya? Huh? You want your cheese to go bad, Tony? Do ya? You wanna starve, huh? Listen, Louie. This cheese won't last forever. One day, the sauce will dry up like a man-made well. And then, we'll be cheeseless. Huh. Do you hear yourself, Tony? This is our cheese, huh? We heard this cheese. We found it, and it's our cheese. You see that, Tony? You see that mountain of cheese? That's bigger than we could climb, even if we wanted to. You think that's going anywhere, huh? No, Louie. I guess not. I guess you're right again. Take that to the bank, Tony. Now go on. Put your shoes away like I asked you, huh? Hi everyone, and welcome to the seventh episode of Wilfred. What I've learned from reading and educational discourse. Before I begin, can I ask you to rate the pod five stars and click the bell at the top while you're listening? It really helps me in the podcast, and it only takes three seconds. I've timed it. Well, not that I've subscribed to my own podcast, of course. <clears throat> anyway, kind of a weird intro this week, but as always, it does provide a pretty big hint as to what book we're covering next week. Additionally, in further news, I've just ordered and had 13 books delivered from an online book retailer. So that's this season and next season sorted. Happy days all around. Noel Whitaker is an international best-selling author, finance and investment expert. He's also a radio broadcaster, newspaper columnist and public speaker. He's also one of the world's foremost authorities on personal finance. In 1988, Noel was named Australian Investment Planner of the Year, and in 2003, he was awarded the Australian Centenary Medal in recognition of his services to the financial services industry. In 2011, he was made a member of the Order of Australia for service to the community in raising awareness of personal finance, hence the introduction in last week's episode. The information in this one is going to be a lot to absorb, to say the least so I'd recommend caffeinating, urinating, and concentrating prior to part one. Sorry, sorry about that. I'm not proud of writing or reading that, to be honest. Anyway, we'll move on. Today, we are covering one of Noel Whitaker's many books, Making Money Made Simple. This book is a nice all-rounder in terms of finance tips for the budding saver. It covers all aspects of financial health, including but not limited to superannuation, housing, and the stock market. As such, it fits the tone of this podcast quite well in my opinion, as do many of his books, one of which I'll be covering next season. In further, further news, one of the 13 books I secured in the order I mentioned earlier is quite a short one, and is the book I'll be covering next week. Hint, hint. The style will be quite different to this one, so please let me know what you think. You can also slide into my DMs to do so. I can be found on Instagram by searching my name, Grand Kitchingman. Thanks to those of you who have already reached out to say g'day or given some feedback on the pod. Phew, another tangent. I've made a habit of doing that, haven't I? I promise in the second season, these will be more concise. 
Maybe at least. <clears throat> anyway, meantime, as always, I've split the content into three parts of my choosing based on the writings of this week's author. These parts include savings, mortgages, and stocks. You'll also notice that I use direct quotes, building on these using my own experiences or giving my own interpretations. I will also note that the direct quotes I provide remain the property of the author, and I do not claim ownership of any of these writings or ideas. Let's jump into the content. Let's go break some legs, Tony. Uh, I think it's break a leg, Louie. Uh, just shut up and listen. Making Money Made Simple by Noel Whitaker. Part 1. Money. Noel states, If you have the goal of financial independence, you must buy into four principles. These include 1. Spend less than you earn. 2. Take responsibility for your own future. 3. Recognize and avoid the major traps that reduce your wealth. And 4. Get inertia working for you, not against you. I'll get round to it tomorrow, keeps 80% of people from achieving their goals. The tips Noel shares within this chapter of the book, and subsequently in this part of the podcast, will aid the reader in achieving competency in these principles, setting them up for financial success. Noel commends the reader by sharing a quote from Jim Ron: Those who do are the envy of those who watch. Well done for you being on the right side of the coin. I'm going to condense one of Noel's main teaching points, as I've discussed it a few times in a couple of episodes now, that of goal setting. Whitaker writes, Your motivation for your goals plays a significant part in your success. You need a clear understanding of where you are now and an equally clear understanding of where you want to be. Back your goals by utilizing three coaching tools, accountability, commitment, and writing those goals down. Most people don't follow basic success principles and as a result go through life never achieving their dreams. Remember the concept of SMART goals? Right, I get it, you're annoyed because I've mentioned this three or four times now. But have you actually completed this task? Remember the quote? Remember the coin? Feel free to pause the pod and bang these out now. For out of effect, complete one for your one, five, and ten year goal. Go on, I'll wait. I'm going to assume you just paused the pod to do this. Okay, good. You better have, you sneaky little devil. Further, according to Noel, a good money manager saves something out of every pay, minimalizes borrowing for items that depreciate. Remember my examples from a prior podcast? These include phones, laptops, motorbikes, etc. Has a definitive goal, works to their own plan, mixes with successful money managers, and knows that budgeting is a must. He, she, they, them also seek professional advice, is keen to learn, invests in items that gain value, and takes responsibility. It's worth noting that if you adhere to these simple and executable principles, you are guaranteed success. It's also worth remembering the quote from Robert T. Kiyosaki, pay yourself first. Noel writes, one of the greatest secrets of money is that if you save 15% of your income, invest it wisely, and do not borrow for depreciating items, you can do whatever you like with the remaining 85%. If this is your first time designing a plan to save and invest, you could follow the simple and most importantly executable plan. Just look at your payslip for the fortnight, find the net payment, as in the amount which is deposited into your bank after the taxman is done with it, then multiply that amount by 0.15. 
whatever that dollar amount is, set up an automatic direct deposit from whichever account your salary is paid into, into your savings account. Ensure this payment is scheduled for the day after your salary is paid in to mitigate any issues. After this time, you will never need to worry about this again. It's automated and it's foolproof, as only the fool would dip into their savings account. Many budding savers make the mistake of saving only what is left after their fortnightly spending. Point is, the ones with a plan, as well as habitual execution, will be the ones to succeed. To quote Noel, one thing all financial winners have in common is that they put strategies in place to make sure they spend less than they earn, and to make investment a priority. To quote Warren Buffett, I'm sure you've heard of him, do not save what is left after spending, spend what is left after saving. Productivity in the workplace may have far extending benefits beyond those immediate. For example, your increased work output may be noticed by your boss, who may choose to reward your fine work with a raise. It may allow you to utilize the newfound minutes, hours or days to refocus into starting a side hustle or the business you have been rattling around the old noggin for a while. Perhaps less directly, but equally as important, it may allow you to build more positive habits through the effect of parlay or compounding. Regardless, here's what Noel has to say. At the end of each workday, write down the six most important things you need to accomplish tomorrow. Do not write down more than six tasks. Prioritize those items in the order of their true importance. When you arrive that next day, concentrate only on the first task and work until that first task is finished before moving on to the next. Approach the rest of your list in the same fashion. At the end of the day, move any unfinished items to the new list of six for the following. Repeat this process for every working day. This strategy will allow you to direct your energy and focus towards a task of highest priority. After you tick off the highest importance task, you can work your way down the list of six. Additionally, you will know exactly what to execute immediately after starting the working day, and there will be no time wasted. I mentioned a raise earlier because it may be more effective to simply earn more money than attempting to scrape the bottom of the barrel to find more cash to save. As Noel states, the only way to better your financial position is to earn more, spend less, or do both. However, keep in mind that you may fall into the same trap as many others, in that it is easy to elevate your spending alongside your earning potential. In other words, it's unfortunately true that a bigger paycheck does not fix the issue of a lack of financial IQ. The amount you earn will just increase the amount you can spend if you do not harness the power of budgeting. If this confuses you, listen back to the second episode of Wilfred, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert T. Kiyosaki, especially since this is my second reference to his ideas already. Ah, sugar syrup, another tangent. Come on Grant, let's make like precipitation and rein it in. Don't feel disheartened by this. You and I have already taken the first step towards making a financial difference in our lives. As Noel says, few people fail in one massive traumatic event. It's normally a succession of little things done wrong, or not done at all, that builds up to disaster. It's human nature to spend every scrap of our income, yet if we don't have it to spend, we don't miss it. This proves the importance of paying yourself first. Noel states further, to create wealth for ourselves, we have to make saving and investing a commitment, instead of something we try to do with what's left over. No matter how big the task is, it still breaks down into individual steps. To become a financial winner, one of your dominant thoughts must be to achieve. Well, we've just laid out concrete steps to follow. Step 1. Create a smart financial goal. You and your partner might decide to save $10,000 for your wedding in one year and a $5,000 lump sum to invest in an index fund in the same period. It's your call, but let's use this as an example. 
This means that you and your partner will need to save $384.62 total, or $192.31 each, per fortnight, in order to save for that wedding. You will also need to save $192.31 total, or $96.15 each, per fortnight, to achieve your investment goal. Far more tangible, right? This is because the goal is specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-based. Step 2. Pay yourself first. As per your SMART financial goal, ensure this dollar amount is automatically transferred into your bank accounts, which are difficult to transfer from. This will deter you from sneakily withdrawing and ruining the mathematics-based strategy in place. Remember to schedule this automatic payment for the day after you are paid, on a fortnightly basis, or at whatever schedule your salary is paid, i.e. weekly or monthly if that pertains to you. Step 3. Write a prioritized list for work the following day. At the end of each workday, write down the six most important things you need to accomplish tomorrow. Prioritize those six items. Execute the first task. Approach the rest of your list in the same fashion. Before close of business, move any unfinished items to a new list of six tasks for the next day. Repeat this process every working day. As stated earlier, this plan is foolproof and you are no fool. So let's get it done. Hey Tony, I got a great idea. Why don't we build a house right here, huh? Next to the cheese. Ah jeez, Louie, that's a great idea. It'll be like having a cheese tree in our backyard. A never-ending supply. You got it now, Tony. I'm telling you. We got it made, huh? Now go grab our tools. Let's get to building, huh? I know exactly where they are. Right next to my old running shoes in the cupboard. You can throw those old things out now, Tony. You won't be needing them no more. Part 2. Mortgages 90% of all millionaires become so through owning real estate. Dale Carnegie If you find the thought of purchasing your own property daunting, you most definitely aren't the only one. I know I was nervous about pulling the trigger on our first. People were telling my wife and I, that wasn't the time to buy, due to an inflated market, horrible interest rates, blah blah blah. Well guess what, they were wrong. Turns out, if you stick to the basics in real estate, while you aren't guaranteed success by any means, you most definitely place yourself in a very beneficial footing. So, what are the basics? Simple my friend, here they are. 1. Location, location, location. I say it thrice because it's three times more important than all the other factors with regards to potential increase in value. This includes proximity to schools, shopping centres, public transportation, and surrounding suburbs. There's a reason why this is a cliché. Noel writes, if you are buying a rental house, look for a quiet street, close to transport, schools, and shops, with fencing and car accommodation. You cannot change the location, so position must remain your prime consideration. 2. Remember that the real estate agent is selling someone else's property, therefore they are representing that person, not you. Therefore, they have the best interests of the seller at heart, not the buyer. 3. Market temperature. Brrr, it's cold in here. Good. There must be market temperature in the atmosphere. I said, oh, ee, oh, ee, oh, ah, oh, sorry, distractions, distractions. Anyway, if it's cold out, good. Then it's time to buy. Understanding market temperature is paramount in property. As Noel states, you need to know how hot and cold the market is, so you know when to hold and when to fold. 
A cold market gives the buyer a lot more power to negotiate. Your first offer can be lower, and you can aim for big discount on the asking price. Cooling markets are the best to buy in because there is a reasonable amount of time available to negotiate a win-win solution. Number four, understand how interest works. Paying off your loan faster can have hugely beneficial implications on how much interest you pay. You may like to look at increasing the frequency of payments or the payment amount itself. Alternatively, you could pay a large amount of your mortgage off early through a lump sum. As Noll states, an injection of $20,000 capital into the loan the year it was taken out would have chopped the term by three years and saved almost $75,000 in interest. With extra repayments, the amount of interest charged is reducing every month. As a result, more and more of the repayment is going to reduce the loan. This is why extra payments can drastically shorten the term. Gotcha. Anyways, they're the basics. Good luck. The next thing to cover is the topic of auctions. Wait, wait, one more thing. Don't forget Noel's $11 per thousand rule. Essentially, if you pay $11 per thousand per month, that's $2,200 a month on a $200,000 loan, you will pay off your home in 10 to 11 years. If interest rates stay between 4% and 7%, that is. Now, where are we? Oh, that's right. Auctions. When it comes to buying at auction, remember, don't get pulled into bidding if you don't have the financial gusto. Bids at auction are binding, and if you get caught up in the moment and can't follow through with your bid price, you're in some serious strife, my friend. Cha feel? Well, I tell you what, Cha should definitely feel. Quote, Auction contracts are unconditional, so you must arrange your finance before you bid. If you do, however, have all your ducks in a row, you can save some serious coin at auction. Noel states, If the bids do not reach the reserve price, the highest bidder has the right to first negotiations with the seller, and a sale often results. So why not go bargain hunting? For a typical sale, buyers and sellers will have the to and fro in order to strike a mutually beneficial price. If this is to occur, both need to respect and understand the point of view of the other party. I'm talking empathy, y'all. Noel concurs, writing, Large sums of money can be saved or made by skillful negotiation. Negotiation is a technique of finding ways to fill the needs of the other party. Collaborative negotiators, who seek a mutual rewarding win-win outcome, achieve greater success than competitive negotiators, who aim to beat the other party. In that quote, I said one word four times. Did you catch it? That's right, ombre. Negotiation. It's the word of the day, at least for this section. As Noel says, there are three ingredients that are present in every negotiation. Information, time, and power. Let's break that down real quick. It's important to understand the information I spoke to earlier. That's your info. As well as the median house price for the area, most recent sale price for the property, or even using a property evaluation tool such as realestate.com. Bam! Info king. Next, time. I'll leave this one to Noel. He writes, Time can be a key factor. Some sellers are in a hurry to sell and may accept a surprisingly low price if it's unconditional or settles quickly. Always ask about the seller's time preferences. Lastly, power. Settle down there, Tony Montana. I ain't talking about money and women here. Although Instagram would lead me to believe these would help. I'm talking about the power of position and power of understanding. It's no secret that there is a power balance between the buyer and the seller. Many believe this is skewed to favor the seller as they hold the asset. However, 
Don't forget that you, the buyer, holds the funds, at least I hope you do, to allow the seller to, well, sell their asset as they wish to. Here are some tips from Noel with regards to negotiation. Remember these techniques. 1. Look for win-win solutions. Understand the motivation of the other party. Be respectful about the property and the seller. 2. There is much more than money in the contract. The biggest mistake made by inexperienced negotiators is to believe that the price solves everything. 3. Conveniently, consult a third party. It is very helpful to have to refer to an absent third party, real or fictional, such as a spouse, business partner, or builder, to use as a negotiating lever. 4. Get it in writing. You can gain some power in the negotiations by not responding immediately to emails. 5. Don't negotiate for the sake of negotiating. Time-consuming negotiations may result in somebody else beating you to it. This is why information gathering is so important. And lastly, 6. Keep your emotions under control. The reason many people pay too much is that they get carried away by emotion. If you are a buyer and have not fallen in love with the property, you will be prepared to walk away from an asking price that is too high and wait for a better deal. Louis, I'm sorry, okay? It's time. The cheese ain't coming back. We gotta go find new cheese, huh? Listen to yourself, Tony. Don't you hear how crazy you sound, huh? It took us this long to find a cheese. To find our cheese. We built this house next to our supply. You're just gonna leave that, huh? You're just gonna leave me. I don't know what to tell you, Louie. I'm leaving. I'm off to find new cheese. Maybe I'll find some. Maybe I won't. But I'm sick of waiting. Goodbye. Part 3. Stocks. In Part 35, Noel provides key definitions regarding investing in the stock market. I will not cover these here, as they have been discussed at length in Episode 4, starting out in shares. Noel also describes shares as the ultimate wealth-building tool, to which I tend to agree, especially if you utilize the power of compound interest. One term I had overlooked from the previous episode, however, is that of dollar-cost averaging, which Noel describes as a strategy to smooth out volatility. You can simply invest the same dollar amount into shares each month, no matter what. When the market is performing strongly, your portfolio will be doing well, and when the market is weak, you can buy more shares at a cheaper price. Again, if you haven't listened to episode 4 of this podcast, I would recommend doing so, as I have provided a more extensive breakdown of the ASX. I will only provide information not covered in that episode in this one. Remember the importance of diversification when it comes to investing, both with regards to market sectors as well as the type of investment itself. These include cash, such as bank accounts and bonds, two, property, direct ownership or through property trusts or syndicates, and three, shares, either on your own or through such avenues as share trusts, superannuation and insurance bonds. Noel states that everybody's investment needs are different. Major factors that you'll need to consider include personal factors, is the primary objective of the investment to provide income, capital growth or a combination of both, risk, consider your age and temperament, control, how much control you would like to have, this will depend primarily on your personality. Term, always decide on how long the money can be left untouched. Liquidity, 
is the ability to quickly convert an asset into cash. Never invest all your money on a medium or long-term basis in case something has to be withdrawn in a hurry. Specialized knowledge. Avenues are best left alone unless you are prepared to put in work to acquire the knowledge required. Noel writes that shares are only recommended investments over a minimum 5-7 to seven year time frame which allows investors to ride out any challenges in the market. Experienced investors aim to keep around 3 years planned expenditure in cash which frees them from the uncertainty of capital gains and capital losses. Remember that the ASX accounts for just under 2% of global share market value. Therefore, you are undercutting 98% of the investment opportunities available if you don't consider other markets, such as the London Stock Exchange, New York Stock Exchange, or Shanghai Stock Exchange. Noel provides a pie chart from Bloomberg which shows the percentages of each market as per world stock market capitalization. Of note, USA leads with a booming 40.4%, China second with 8.2%, not including the other category, Japan third with 7.2%, and Hong Kong fourth with 6.6%. Interestingly, the UK boasts more than double with 4.1%, as much as Australia has 1.8%. Again, if you develop a balanced and diversified portfolio within the ASX, it will bode well to branch out into those other markets. If it's dividends you're chasing, in other words, payments from holding stocks, remember that, quote, more than 34% of total profits and dividends from the entire ASX come from just six companies, the big four banks, plus minus BHP and Rio, and the top 10 shares in the ASX 300 are worth more than the bottom 277 combined. Mind-blowing, right? Remember also, if you don't wish to manage your portfolio yourself, exchange-traded funds and index funds are also available, which continuously balance according to the top companies in the exchange and by market trends. So there is no reason for you to be worried about selling, unless of course you require the money or you reach your investment term. Again, listen to episode 4 if this confuses you. Remember, this is only general information and should not be considered as specific buy or sell recommendations or investment advice. Do your own research. Noel does, however, share two funds to which he himself uses. These include SPDR S&P ASX200 ETF, STW, and Vanguard Australian Shares Index ETF, VAS. I believe I have not yet shared the difference between index funds and exchange-traded funds. This is quite simple. But let's look at the similarities first. These include ease of diversification, sustainable long-term gains, and low fees. Next, the differences. Ooh, the saucy stuff. First, minimum investment amounts. Usually, index-traded funds require a higher upfront investment. ETFs usually require a $500 investment, while index funds require a larger amount. Next, fractional shares. Most ETFs, at least in Australia, are not available to be purchased as fractional shares. For example, if you had $1,000 to invest and brokerage is $20, leaving you $980, and the ETF is $59 per share, you would then be able to purchase 16 total shares. Whereas, if you were to use these same numbers but purchase shares in an index fund, you would be able to purchase 16.61 shares. 
and lastly, tax implications. ETFs are generally more tax efficient than mutual funds, as you do not pay taxes when the holdings in the ETF portfolio are adjusted by managers. Well, that's it for this episode of Wilfred. What I learned from reading, Making Money Made Simple by Noel Whitaker, an educational discourse. For any new listeners, I read and highlight a particular book, write a script, record, edit, and release each episode of Wilfred, all within a week. As such, if you could please rate five stars and follow the pod, that would be very much appreciated. You can see these at the top of Wilfred's page on Spotify. I generally want you to succeed, excel, and prosper in life, which is exactly why I'm releasing this free content on a weekly basis. Please know that your support is very much appreciated. Wherever you choose to consume this content on Spotify or elsewhere, thanks so much for the support. I hope this is extended to my next one. Until then, stay driven. Sorry, boat's full. Um, what if one of us were to turn this big ship into a tugboat? <laughs> wink, wink. Wouldn't help you. You're the fourth person to offer that, and I'm kind of spent. <laughs>